What's up, everyone? My name is Wes. You're listening to the Irkavi Podcast. Today's episode, I got to talk to the members of St. Paul Punk Quartet Rigby. The band released their debut album, We're Dying, earlier this past May. We were able to chat about the writing and recording process for the album, their experiences playing live, and a whole lot more. Without further ado, here's my interview with Faye, Hannah, Maud, and Kian of Rigby on the Ear Coffee Podcast. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thank you. Uh, do you want us to go around and like introduce ourselves? Would you, that be helpful? You read my mind. That was going to be the first thing I was going to ask. Uh, Wonderful. Just do names and your role in the band to get things started. Awesome. Yeah. Um, I'm Maud. I use she, her pronouns. Um, I play bass. I switch off between bass and singing. I'm Hannah. I use she, her. And I do the same as Maud, bass and vocals. We both do a little rotating. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm Faye. I use she, her. Also, they, them. Uh, I play guitar. I'm Kian. I use he, him. I play drums. Cool. Um, I like starting out interviews in a similar way, um, no matter who I'm talking to, because I find that pretty much every musician has a deeper, if not closer than usual, relationship with just music in general as a listener, not even as a performer. So I want to ask, what was your relationship with music like growing up? And what were the songs or moments that first made you fall in love with it and really think to yourself, huh, maybe I want to do this myself one day? Um, what was that kind of experience as you were first expanding your horizons, I guess? What was that like? Oh, that's a really good question. Yeah. Um, I can start off. Um, so growing up, I kind of was surrounded by music. It was always playing like in the kitchen and in the car. Um, I grew up listening to like Replacements, X, um, Descendants, and then also like Dolly Parton, Millie Nelson. So I kind of got everything. Um, and then what really got me into it was seeing like scrunchies perform live mm. and also like hearing babes in toyland i think that was what clicked and i was like yeah i want to do this like they're badass <laughs> that's awesome yeah um i mean for me i would say somewhat similarly my mom um is super musical she plays just about every instrument so that was always around in the house my dad describes himself as not having a musical bone in his body but he loves music and he would play like everything for me it was you know the white stripes and like whatever the other day i walked in and he was listening to a metallica song and then it switched over to chance the rapper and i was like okay (laughs) cool so that was kind of that was kind of the environment i grew up with Um, And then similar to Hannah, I had played instruments when I was little, but never really liked it until I heard, I think also Babes in Toyland, it might have been (laughs) the exact same band. And I was like, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah, uh, for me, I've been playing guitar since like as long as I remember, but it used to be like, I don't know, kind of like classic, like acoustic guitar, all that reading sheet stuff. And I was like, I didn't really mind it, but it wasn't something I was interested in. But uh, I, th- I think I think it was System of a Down that was the first band that got me like, yeah. oh, I actually want to do. Yeah, uh, my music taste—I'm not so much into new metal anymore. Uh, my music has definitely changed, but I still like—I I, I still that still holds a, like System of a Down still holds a place in my like heart for being the first band that I genuinely started liking. Yeah. Um... I, I'm the odd one out. I did not grow up in like a musical family at all. Uh, my family did art. Like they were my both my parents were in, interior designers. Um, so I grew up in like an art household, but not a music household. Um, I did on long car rides. I listened to like Queen and Meatloaf uh, and like disco with my mom. Um, yeah. And, <laughs> Uh, I was I was kind of into that, but nothing really sparked me musically. Um, the thing that really wanted me to uh, start playing music, um, let's see, uh, just along the way, like scrolling through the internet when I was like thirteen, I I found like punk music and 
the descendants were really big and then nothing really hit me until like i always thought like oh i will never be able to be in a band because like a successful band because it wasn't just a reality to me um and then i saw the band bruise violet uh live and i was like wow this is actually like a viable option um and that that was just like a huge motivator and then i was like okay now i'm gonna start like being in bands and start playing music yeah a lot of love for bruce violet um a lot of people had a similar experience with that where they saw like bruce violet or scrunchies and just kind of had their minds blown and that's really funny rightfully so i have to go back on mine i wish my story why i started like doing my own music was as cool as what Hannah originally said. Babes in Toyland did inspire me to be in this sort of band, but I started writing songs because from a very young age, I loved Taylor Swift. (laughs) So it was absolutely Taylor Swift that inspired me to start writing music. I have notebooks from when I was probably like seven of lyrics that I would write. And obviously, I don't know, what was I doing? What experience was I writing from? But I would just like take buzzwords from Taylor Swift songs, write whole songs about, you know, being in angry breakups. And I still have a lot of them. Some of the little bits of lyrics are incorporated into some of our songs. Like I'll take a line from really old music and put it in one of our new songs. That's so funny. Uh, someone on Twitter like yesterday, like found like a 65 page, like long diatribe they wrote about like their 14 their boyfriend when they were 14 or something and like that kind of like the same energy and like they were like reading through it they're like should i publish this should i make this into a book and i don't i wish i could remember who it was because it was really great just that many pages like that's longer than like a dissertation but like (laughs) um you guys already kind of started touching on this but did you have any experiences like writing songs and like playing, especially playing in bands pre-Rigby or even even for like bands that never recorded anything and were just kind of lost to the annals of history and to each other's memories. But um, what were your first experiences doing that like? And I was if in, not, yeah. Was, no, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was in two bands before Rigby. Uh, one of them was with Mod and one of them was with Kian. We never even to show together so like i don't yeah <laughs> honestly i had forgotten about that <laughs> i wasn't gonna bring it <laughs> uh, i i it was funny because back then i was on guitar and vocals and we had a drummer and then that just fell through when we started doing rigby that's that's funny mm-hmm. yeah i think yeah. and right before that Faye and i did something to where we kind of started writing songs but practices were really spread out and uh, it, yeah. it never be, i don't think we ever had like a name or anything it wasn't super yeah, we, I, don't, I don't i don't even think we had a practice that had all members of the band <laughs> no practice that everyone <laughs> yeah i i don't think we did i think other than that my only experience was like playing at music programs and stuff where i like learned to play bass or whatever but i was never like in an actual actual band pre-rigby key and you were in that other band what really yeah the one you were in right before we got together that you made the shirts for and that you performed with oh okay. <laughs> yeah, sorry <laughs> my brain doesn't work um yeah i was i was in another band we played a couple of shows um Yeah, I think like most of our experiences um, and how we've kind of been so strong as a band in general is we've kind of learned from our past mistakes. I think (laughs) most of us have been in just bands that have not really communicated well or worked well together. Um, And I think like that's kind of the difference. Like when we started Rigby, we kind of set out not having like... I think we've all been in bands that have like have had like a clear like leader or a couple different leaders. Um, and I think we set out rigby and just kind of like made this mutual agreement to just be like, uh, well, no one's the leader. We're all just doing this together. This is our project. This is this is rigby. And I think that's kind of why we we set out and we liked the uh, so the design, the the little little guy, the little Rigby little uh, guy, yeah. persona um, was kind of set off to, to, 
to be like that's the face of Rigby. We're not the face of Rigby. We're all the cogs in the machine. That's the face of Rigby. If if Rigby wants a leader, then it's the cartoon. That's not us. <laughs> um, and I think that's that's just kind of the was the original idea. Like when I was when I was making the logo, I was like, I wanted to do something really really interesting and of course like a circle smiley face that's really interesting but um well actually uh, do you remember where that originally came from yes. yeah uh, and it's still in my room yeah so we were trying to come up with a logo because i think we kind of thought a little bit descendancy like milo we yeah. like talked about that because it was a band we all liked and we're trying to think of some sort of cool logo and kian does cool art and graphic design stuff but um he had at one point there was this period of time when we would do some music practices together pre-rigby we just like jammed or whatever and kian would draw little doodles like on post-it notes and he would just draw them and a lot of times they were funny they were kind of caricatures of people we were playing music with or whatever but he started just like giving them to me and little did he know i was keeping them and i actually <laughs> put them up and there's a little one still on the wall in my bedroom i'm not in there right now but it's this little guy and he has a big head and he looks sad and he's just standing <laughs> there and i brought it to key and i was like i want it to look like this and so that's gonna we we went from there yeah, we, we went through a couple ideas. Uh, yeah. I think one of them was like a raccoon. Mm. One of them was like lips. Um, I'm pretty sure. I don't remember. There's somewhere. <laughs> um, but yeah, out of all of those, like Mod was just like, uh, I think this is the idea. And I was like, okay, I'll, I'll redraw <laughs> it and make it look at least a little bit more interesting. Uh, for some yeah. reason, the little guy reminds me of like how you see people just that have like ween t-shirts and it's just like the guy <laughs> with like the little hair and he's like not saying that you guys sound like ween but ween it just made me think of that um <laughs> probably because i've seen a lot of ween fans lately so that's on me um that's our yeah, number I mean, one characteristic yeah, yeah. <laughs> the band we ween <laughs> not it wasn't descendants it wasn't it wasn't bathed in toilet, it was Ween, actually. Ween brought us together. <laughs> um, no, that was that was definitely the goal when making the logo. Like we like when I was when I was thinking of it, I just wanted to make something because going off that descendants thing, everybody knows the descendants from the the Milo logo. Like the I guy, was like, yeah. okay, I wanna, Which is right behind you, I think. I wanna make something like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, and I, I wanted to make something like that, that I just wanted to like, because everybody has those different logos and I wanted to make something at least a little bit more interesting than just words. Mm -hmm. um, and we have, we also have words, but <laughs> I wanted the little, little character as well. Yeah. Um, Anyways. Yeah. You kind of already touched on this a little bit in that like Bay and Maud and Keen were all in bands together before Rigby, but um, how did this quartet actually come together and become rigby um if i'm not mistaken it was like early 2019 i think or so um yeah so just tell tell that years, story to your birthday yeah happy mm -hmm. birthday yeah, yeah, yeah. to your anniversary on april 20th um good day yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um well so we had all kind of played music together and you guys totally jump in but i one thing that i say and that i think worked really well for us is that like we didn't we weren't not we didn't like not get along but we weren't necessarily friends before we started playing we knew each other as like musicians um and i think the closest i was kind of closer to hannah we were maybe a little bit closer to friends like we had talked about doing music stuff together a little bit but um actually the garage was hosting this like cover band night for you know you choose a punk band and come in and i saw that and i was like that'd be really cool i want to do that um but i need like other people to do it with me and i was like uh these three are pretty good musicians i'll ask them i know they like babes in toyland so let's all get together and we had like three practices and um on the form you had to like put your original band name and i was like well we're not actually a band so i think during one of the practices we like just spitballed a bunch of things and wrote down the one we all could agree on and then after that thing like people were like oh you guys are really good when are you playing next and we were like i guess we're a band <laughs> <laughs> which yeah i think that says a lot <laughs> yeah. yeah i thought it was funny that show like we didn't get the memo because the name of it was pop punk sucks 
Uh And we took that pretty literally because we did (laughs) punk and the other bands were all pop punk and it was kind of funny. (laughs) We came into it being like, we don't like pop punk. So we'll do a class, like a classic (laughs) punk band. And then all it was like, it was like Green Day, Jimmy Eats World and some nice, some really nice people played at that show. Bands that we still are in contact with. But it was funny that we were coming into it with a very different perspective. (laughs) (laughs) Um. That yeah, it's like the band was like forced into existence. Like, yeah, e- there was never any plans. Like, uh, I, I, we should, we should find a gig. We should keep practicing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's that's literally it. Like, you're saying that as a joke, but that's literally no, yes. what happened. Seriously, yeah. like, no, I, I think I wrote, wrote like I wrote like three songs, and I was like, I guess we had enough songs. I wrote a bunch of songs that just have one riff to them. That's why we have like, yeah, so many weird songs that just have one riff. Yeah. everything comes from a good riff that's that's the starting point <laughs> um so the band it's it's been the debut album has been a long time coming it feels like um because yes. there were the demos that came out in like end of 2019 end of summer 2019 and most of those songs actually ended up on we're dying the album that the band just put out uh i believe a week ago from recording just about um but then it hasn't been to the last couple of months um, where the band is kind of been jumping back into action, dropping the single in the video, doing the live stream and everything. Um, and obviously there's a whole year there where was, most people weren't doing anything because there was a, a plague. Um, but I guess talk a little bit about how the band has kind of grown since even putting out those demos and playing shows initially and getting kind of on your feet together as a, as a quartet and solidifying everything to now where especially without really the ability to practice or play shows as much over the last year, if at all, um, you've arrived at a pretty solid like starting point with like, or a point with the album. So I guess talk about like that growth process from the demos in the early days to where you're at now. So the demos were actually put together in literally two days. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Very well. So, one we, microphone. We, the, the the purpose for those was the current was doing like a back to school, like high school um thing for like an hour where you could submit your music and it would get on the radio. And it was very rushed. Like we had like I said, two days to get this in. We had never recorded. We had these songs pretty set in stone. But I'd say the demos were just kind of just to get something out there. Um, don't recommend listening to them. <laughs> at all. <laughs> at all. I recommend, please do not listen to them. There's <laughs> not drawing attention to them. Like, hey, go buy these. Yeah. You can hear all these songs in actual recorded form yeah. on the album. <laughs> right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the album was kind of just what we had wanted to do for a while. Um kind of the repolished version of those and i'd say the songs have changed a lot since then and the recording quality so it was a pretty pretty big jump and it did take a little bit of time from that to the new album so yeah 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 we upgraded from one mic so yeah two mics proud of us (laughs) one microphone i mean we had had the mic and i were singing into but then just the one mic taking all the sound from a room yeah recording everything into a vocal mic like hey i got an sm57 (laughs) guys let's do it (laughs) not yeah not ideal i mean yeah so that was we kind of rushed that out and through that though we did actually after the demos there's we kind of took a um a jump there but we did um we played some shows after that and actually one of the other bands that was on no, two of the other bands that was on the Back to School episode, we ended up reaching out to um, and playing a show with them, uh, Loki's Folly and Doom Child. I think it's like D and then a, like an eight on the side, M. Yeah, um, and we ended up playing a show with them and that was super fun. So it was like a good connection there. And we've, we've played a few other shows um, right before COVID, everything hit, like right before um, in February of, was that 2019 2020 um yeah 2020 yeah we played a show that i think was like an absolute great note to go out or take a break on um we played with scrunchies and partition and hype ma'am and kitten forever and that Mm -hmm. was like bands that we all really liked and so it was like kind of this this really awesome show uh it was at moon palace and like 
more people than we ever expected. Like, it, it was weird. We actually got paid, which, you know, we were getting paid before, but it was like, you know, as a band. You could afford like, like half bucks. the band to get Taco Bell afterwards. <laughs> right. Exactly. No, exactly. <laughs> so we had that. And then I think, you know, you asked about what practice kind of looked like during COVID. We were lucky to have a space that we could still practice. Um, so we were able to still do that um, and all masked, like practicing together, just trying to make stuff work, trying to really get this album to actually happen, get the merch to actually happen. So it was a long process, but we, we did eventually get there. <laughs> yeah, we, we really didn't stop. It was like, well, we did stop for a little bit, but um, yeah. we, we, we thought about like, we, we didn't want to like take this big break. Um, we took maybe like a month or two off just to wait until what the CDC said and, and got all like the safety requirements and then it was just like straight back into it when we knew we could because we were setting out that summer anyways for for recording the album mm -hmm. so we wanted to we wanted to just prep and and just get everything through and done and of course it took a lot longer than the summer uh, which none of us <laughs> knew would have happened but it, it, we we totally like we just had that mission already and we wanted to just fulfill it and um i think we're all just super happy it, it came through absolutely yeah. um you mentioned earlier how uh you talked about how part of why rigby itself like as a band was was different from maybe prior bands and has worked so well is that no there's no leader there's like no de facto like main person who everyone else sort of has to defer to even if it's like an unspoken thing so i'm curious with that very unifying collaborative mindset how does how did the band and how has the band approached songwriting and writing the songs that even though the initial the initial versions that you probably played at shows and ended up on the demos and especially the fully fleshed out versions that are on the album um was it also pretty communal and very much like everyone's on the same page or did it was it a little bit more unexpected, a little bit more all over the place. Uh, you want to talk a little bit about that? That'd be cool. Yeah, I feel like with every song, it's different. Uh, usually, one yeah. of us comes. Like, I feel like it's usually me or Hannah, but it like that's definitely not a rule or something. But like one of us will come up with like this line or sometimes a vocal part, and then we'll all just from there, like mm -hmm. with our own stuff. Yeah, I think it really depends song from song. Like sometimes it's like, like one of the recent ones we were writing, I had these lyrics I really wanted to do something with and I came and I was like, Kian, make it sound loud and angry. <laughs> and he was like, Maude, what are you talking about? That's not how you describe drums. But he got it and he knew what I meant. Um, so sometimes it's like that or sometimes, like they said, it's like we start with a riff and Hannah and I flip through our lyric notebooks and find something that matches the right amount of space for like a verse <laughs> and we go from there but i think i think that totally comes through in basically every aspect of what we do as a band i think like kian said it is pretty communal which i am so grateful for i think sometimes it's frustrating when we're all sitting in a circle like writing one caption for an instagram post for like 15 minutes <laughs> deciding like <laughs> every word like each of us having really different approaches to it and at the end it just says like listen to our album and that took us the whole time but i think <laughs> <laughs> at the end of the day it's nice that we can work on everything together i think not a lot of bands are that thoughtful about everything like every instagram post we are there Literally. together writing it and being like no that sounds stupid or no don't do that <laughs> like it we put a lot of thought into it for something that's just mediocre <laughs> yeah it, it takes a lot of effort for sure but i again i i would not want it any other way and i'm so glad that we can all bring our individual skills you know some things obviously like one person knows more about and so then we can kind of follow that way but it's it's really nice to be able to like kind of bring everything together that yeah. way it's never like too rigid yeah, yeah yeah and we're all we're all multi-instrumentalists uh all of us at least mm -hmm. know two like one other instrument or two um and and we can all just like if someone wants to like 
you know, if 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 Faye wants to write a drum part, Faye can write a drum part. Like that's fine. I'll build off of that. Or if I want to write a guitar or a bass part, I can jump into that. Or like in Maud's situation, if she wants to describe the drums to me <laughs> in the best way that she can, you know, I'll try to run with that the best way I can. Like it's all we're all just throwing shit at a wall, like and seeing what sticks. Yeah, um, I think that I is think a great that's... way to describe our writing process. <laughs> I mean, it's fittingly chaotic yeah yeah oh absolutely and i mean i think because of like we've done stuff we've done um like jam sessions or stuff where we like switch instruments and stuff between songs and we've just found that kind of as time consuming and not very helpful but like kian said like if we wanted to we could probably do almost a full rotation switching all instruments um I don't play drums clearly so that wouldn't work but like for the most part we all kind of play everything which i think is helpful when we're trying to write stuff together i've seen bands do that y'all should try that when when shows come back <laughs> just do do like a round robin oh, musical chairs yeah <laughs> <laughs> like it's it's even if like you're only playing to like a bunch of like drunk college kids like that that surprises them that they're they're very much like whoa you you're all playing different instruments and goes over great as someone who's been there <laughs> didn't do yeah. that at one practice remember that one time well kind of we had like not we didn't have someone on the drum set we had that weird little drum thing that Faye has oh where God. you squeeze the side and it changes the pitch and one of us was just like oh. hitting that i think <laughs> then someone was playing bass someone was playing guitar and someone was shouting lyrics that they were making up on the spot <laughs> i think it was that I think it was late like we all were really sleep deprived and just like giggling and it sounded terrible but really loud and like so that's kind of fun we like to just kind of let practices go to places like that after we're, we get all the business stuff done and just you know whatever happens happens uh, yeah with the songs that are on we're dying were those all pretty much at least in like the were the skeletons and like the bones of these songs done pretty early just in like that in late summer 2019 fall around that time and then it just took reasonably a while to lock everything in record and go through the entire process of making an album or were these songs that came kind of just throughout that entire time period leading up to whatever recording was was it a little bit more gradual or how how was that timeline (laughs) looking like for the songs uh, that I'm were dying. I, th- I think we did. Uh, yeah, I think we for the album we did all of the songs that we had ready pre-COVID. I guess like we we've played all these songs um, and shows before. So yeah, like yeah, um, yeah. They were all shows that I, all songs that we had played at shows before. I think things changed along the way. Like we changed some specifics, yeah. but all of them were songs that were already there. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I think I'm playing a different instrument on one of the songs than I was when I was doing the shows. Like, I yeah, know. you changed your twelve string. That's what I say. I made. It, I went to a twelve string. I'm not like playing a bassoon or something. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that would be awesome. And I will say, along with this, this is kind of veering off to the side. But I think one of my favorite, absolute favorite things that changed for one of the songs, and this was day of recording, um, for the song "Shoulders Are Sexy." in parentheses i'm sorry i don't know how we're gonna say the name that's what i'm gonna call it (laughs) um it there's this one part like the second like kind of verse part Mm -hmm. i at shows i would always just make something up i would just kind of talk sometimes just like about my day or like literally whatever um and so that was what i did the day we recorded it i just kind of made something up that i felt like went along with the song and it's kind of this part where i'm pretending that i'm in class and this guy is being like weird and sexist and i recorded that and then kian was in the room and he goes i need to say what you're saying and pretend to be the guy and it's in the background of the song you can go listen to it it is my favorite thing in any of our songs it is so funny and it makes me laugh every single time (laughs) so funny like oh my god was it my idea i think it was oh it totally was no 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 it was your idea you like you were like wait i have this and you it was it was really funny we love to role play misogyny (laughs) For the sake of the, oh, for the sake of art. <laughs> Next music video. He <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, is very very respectful. Don't you know? Don't get it twisted. We wouldn't we, do. We can't he was cancel Rigby, unfortunately. Just kidding. <laughs> this interview is over. I'm leaving. <laughs> um. So with recording and everything, um, what was that experience like? Where did you where did you record? 
Who did you work with? Um, were there any last minute changes that you made that either worked in the moment or even maybe just worked better than the way that were rehearsed? Just, I know recording is a draining and pot, like just a strenuous experience, but um, talk just a little bit about that. Went just all the details that you think would kind of get fill in the gaps, would uh, color in the details for listening to We're Dying. Yeah. It's like, oh, um, here's how this was made. So we, we were lucky enough to um, to work with someone we already knew. Um, so one of my coworkers um, uh, does music production. And he's, he's really good. He used to, like, teach me music. And he used to teach – I think he taught most of us music. Mm-hmm. Did Benny teach – Faye, did Benny teach you? Yeah. Oh, oh well, yeah. So he, <laughs> he taught most of his music. He all he also does music production, and he's just like he he really just knocked it out of the park. Like he he oh, knew absolutely. everything that we wanted. He knew all of us musically, and he he just like killed it. We we recorded um we recorded at at our at at our workspace. And uh, he just like he brought his his whole MacBook over there, and and he just set up like the drums and like a, a like he moved everything. He he was like spectacular, and he was super patient and and awesome. And uh, his name is Benny Cole. He's he's awesome. Like he he totally was just he he again he knocked it out of the park. I don't know. Yeah. Does anybody else? Have any? I mean, go ahead. Oh, I feel like he heard things in us that we couldn't hear ourselves when we performed it. And he like totally highlighted it. And like he made them sound like a million times more clear and like you can actually hear what we're saying in the vocals. And like he, he really did a good job. Guitar like emphasizing the things that I don't I didn't hear in myself. And like he did a spectacular job. Yeah, I mean just yeah like hannah said things that i never could have heard in us um he yeah just absolutely amazing and totally was focused on um matching our vision and checking in like what we wanted to sound like Mm -hmm. totally like would send us the rough mixes and have let us have notes and like all this stuff like super focused super paying attention and having us be a part of the whole process which was just absolutely wonderful i could not thank him enough yeah were there any parts that like there were that maybe even whether you as like any of you had this idea last minute or whether it was Benny, um, what, what, were there any other moments that I guess maybe changed significantly in the studio and just really kind of captured that exact day and moment when you were recording, even if it wasn't what had been rehearsed or was it mostly pretty much just this works. We're proud of this. We want to convey this the best way we can and kind of stick to our guns. I'd say, um, Every song we kind of, or not every song, but about like half of them, we wanted vocal harmonies, but we didn't have them solidified. Mm. And literally the day we went in, we hashed out all the harmonies and like, it was Mm -hmm. like really chaotic, but we got them solid. And I think they really just added that extra little spice that they needed. Absolutely. I think that was one thing Hannah and I especially had always really loved about Bruce Violet, that they had like this super this dope punk but then they also broke out into these really cool harmonies but the hard part was we were practicing in a space where we had one vocal mic so you know the other person was shouting their harmonies over (laughs) the bass and the guitar and even at shows like you never know what the sound is really going to be like I don't think we could ever really hear the harmonies so like to actually be able to hear those was crazy I think which song was FFF those Hannah and I switch off and it ends just on our two-part harmony at the end which was like I had never heard that before and I'm like oh my gosh now when we (laughs) perform it we totally have to do it that way like it sounds great yeah Yeah. I also with FFF uh the guitar part for me uh that sounded Mm -hmm. like very different when we did it before because like I I don't like somehow like I think I was doing like the dynamics just on my own, like playing softer in the verse and louder in the chorus. Yeah. But yeah, in in the actual studio, I was able to like get like a bunch of wave of feedback, and I just feel like the dynamics in that made made, made so much better just from being able to yeah like be in the studio and yeah. like change. 
Yeah. yeah, Benny's control of the feedback for sure helped us a lot because you've done a great, I don't even know how you do that, honestly. Like, Faye is like, has, it's turning down the guitar, like mid show, turning it back up, like putting it in front of the anthers. And like, you control that super well. But for sure, having the studio is helpful to have someone that can like mm -hmm. tone it down a little bit. <laughs> yeah. And I think it was like just super interesting hearing ourselves from a different perspective because like we're mm -hmm. always just in the moment playing and we don't really have like we're, we're from a playing perspective not like a listening perspective so going back and like hearing us like play these songs was just like a, a very interesting different experience and i think it was uh it's really great because like i remember in fffa doing that that like guitar part and just being like holy shit like that like that was it was like that feeling of like holy crap that was amazing um yeah that, that I, I just like never got before. And I know Kian doesn't like when I say this because it's super cheesy, but all the time, like some just at practices, I'll sit down and just like in awe of being able to play with these musicians who I like am so impressed by all the time by like when we're writing stuff or just like adding new things to our songs. It is just crazy impressive to me. Um, and I think another thing is as a band, we're pretty... I mean, I think we joke around and we don't take each uh, take ourselves like too seriously. But I think with that, sometimes the kind of negative side is that we're a little bit hard on ourselves. Mm -hmm. And it's very I think for a long time, it was really hard to recognize ourselves as like we are an actual band. Like we would play shows and be like, this doesn't even feel real. Like we're not really <laughs> a band. Right. But having Benny like kind of put this together in a way that was so professional and like, I mean, you know, obviously ended up matching what we were doing but like to have someone be like yeah this is like this sounds good and this is this is good music this is professional and we'd listen to it afterwards and we could actually be like oh yeah no we sound like a band like this is something <laughs> to be proud of i think is a really big step for us <laughs> absolutely yeah no I, I still feel like having music on spotify feels weird like i'm just used to having shitty demos on Bandcamp. <laughs> yeah no I do, it does not feel real like hitting the download button on your own music for the first time is like exactly your brain turns to soup. It's so weird. <laughs> um, again, you kind of touched on this a second ago, but with uh, given that the band's existence pretty much prior to this was almost entirely live, and that's was the only way for people to hear you and how you perceived yourselves primarily. Were you going into these recording sessions trying to capture that live energy and just translate it in? in the best way through a studio recording or was it more like you're, Oh, we want to take advantage of the fact that we have studio. We have more than one mic and, or was this kind of maybe somewhere in between where you're trying to kind of bridge the gap between those two slightly different approaches. Yeah. We, we originally wanted to do like, we were debating at the beginning whether we wanted to do it live or we wanted to do like multi-track. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> and then, like we talked, we talked over it with Benny a few times, and he was like, um, "Multi-track would would just sound better." <laughs> um, so that that's what we went with. But even still, like uh, I think all of us just go from a perspective of like just trying to go for that 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 the farthest we can. Like I always think about like the Descendants, like go for all. Like whenever I play, I'm just like, okay, I need to put my entire self into this. And I think all of us just look at that from from that perspective. I don't know. What are you guys' opinions? Yeah, I mean, on, from that note, and I'll go back to the recording section, but, uh, you know, Kean often ends, especially live shows, with bleeding fingers and splinters. And at least one <laughs> or two of us is on the ground after a song. I mean, also for the, the effect of it. Um, but I think one thing is that, like, for us, I think the biggest reason, like that first show at the garage, the thing that really struck people um, and the reason why we work so well and I think kind of our biggest, like the thing that helps us the most is kind of like our stage presence and our energy. And that's, I think, what kind of caught people off guard. Like, yeah, we did, we covered Babes in Toyland. I don't remember how good it actually was. It might've been kind <laughs> of okay. But we were like clearly all having fun playing together and like, thrashing around this you know like it was around the stage and stuff and just like really having fun with it and so I think a big part of the goal and something that Benny did a really great job with even though we were doing the multi-track was like kind of capturing that live energy like you said um and still trying to give that feel of like yeah you're at a small show and people are dancing around dark and sweaty but it's fun and like 
whatever. I think that's, so we tried to kind of find a good balance when we were recording there. Good quality, but still, you know, kind of live. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is pointedly a question for everybody. Um, what are your personal favorite moments on the entire album? And we've had some highlights so far. It doesn't have to be like you as an individual, just listening back to it now that it's out or even listen to like rough mixes and such. What were the parts of the songs that you would hear that? And you'd, you'd, your, your jaw is always just kind of left on the floor. It's like, wow, we pulled that off. We did that. Or this member of the band really killed this part. What are some of those highlights for each of you? I have one right away that is like not because we've talked about the musicianship, like the whole album leaves me in awe of how amazing my bandmates are. And just like being like, you know, I don't, it's, I kind of cringe at hearing the sound of my own voice, but like being able to hear these guys playing and just being amazing totally makes up for it. But like, despite that, any of the like actual musicianship, I think the part that strikes me the most um, is that the end of Anymore, Benny kept in, I think Anymore to clarify was the first song we recorded and Kean's drum part was the first part that we recorded um and there's a part right at the end where kian goes oh that was awesome and that was like the <laughs> first take and it just every time like i can totally knowing kian it is so genuine and i can totally like hearing that sort of excitement out of kian just makes me so happy because i think it totally like shows what we were talking about earlier like feeling like oh this is real and for me i think that that tiny clip totally demonstrates like that was when we kind of realized okay this is actually happening so that's for sure my favorite part of the whole album i think my favorite part is it's something that i forgot that we did until i listened to the album again but cool we added like oh, yeah. claps and i I don't know, I just, like, that's probably one of, one of the favorite solos that I've done. Claps just elevated so much. I just, uh, it, it surprised me. I was just like, oh, wow. wow, this is so cool. And, like, recording those, I remember we all stood around a mic that was kind of low in a circle, and we were all just standing there. It took us a really long time. We kept messing up the timing. But us, including Benny, all five of us standing in a circle around this mic, just doing these little claps. And it was in this dead silent room and we had headphones on. So it was pretty funny to like look at. I think I have a video on my phone where, you know, you can't hear the song. You can just see us clapping. Like a little cult, so I think yeah. that's for sure. Yeah, I had totally forgotten about it too. But Faye, I love that part. Tana, you want to go? Or... Um, I think just the incorporation of the 12 string just like made it just like really, I don't know. It just added so much like depth into everything. Um, and I think, Faye, that was for FFF, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. FFF, I think, is probably just my favorite song. Like, yeah, it just... I, I, think, I, think FF, sorry, I think FFF, like, by far is the most improved song. Like, yeah. when we, you know, it's when we, like, it's probably, like, my favorite song now, but when we went into the studio, I was like, uh, I think we might need to cut this. It's not completely yep. ready. <laughs> For sure. And like we were worried about kind of the quiet, slow part that maybe it wasn't going to work super well or translate the way we wanted to. But yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like most improved for sure goes to FFF. Like, yeah, we were not sure about that. And I wanted to say too, Faye, didn't you build that 12 string yourself or partially? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I bought a kit and then ended up buying like the pickups and like basically half the parts separately. So I probably should have just not bought the kit, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's cool. Yeah. That, that was definitely like mine too. Uh, just again, like I said this before, but hearing that like back coming into that guitar part in FFF again is just like, holy, like it, it gives you <laughs> chills. It's just exactly. insane. Like hearing, hearing just Faye play that in the studio and just sitting there, I was like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like it was this like amazing feeling, and, I, and I'm thinking about it, and I'm getting chills. But it was just like <laughs> awesome. Like I can't describe it enough. Definitely, that's sick. Yeah. Um. So, obviously, Daisy was the lead single, only single, and also had the one music video so far. It sounds like there. I don't know if that was a joke or not, but it sounds like there's another one coming, maybe sometime soon. But with the music video for Daisy, it's pretty literal portrayal of the lyrics. Um, just you don't see that as often. I feel like, at least not as 
Like it wasn't it wasn't tongue in cheek. It wasn't very sarcastic. It was still it's just pretty straightforward depiction of murder. <laughs> um, so talk a little bit. Uh, share a little bit about just where that where the idea to do that so literally. Um, where did the, how did you know the collaborators like the people that like shot and edited everything? Um, just tell a little bit about making that video. I. I... I feel like most of that was me. Uh, I think, well, well, with shooting it, it was me and my cousin. We brought him along. Uh, yeah, to do... number one fan. <laughs> Harper. Harper comes. Harper yeah. is totally our number one fan. After our, sorry, just like quick side. Thank you so much, Harper. I don't know if we've actually thanked him. Um, but <laughs> after our last show, right before quarantine, the the one at Moon Palace, he came with us on our like little celebratory trip to Denny's. And I think after that, he just started being our go-to. Like, we need something done. Harper will do it because Harper is like pretty much, Harper is pretty much a part of Rigby. <laughs> oh, absolutely. You know, we play Dungeons and Dragons together. She taught us how to play. Like, it's... <laughs> yeah, he's the best. He's like the the de facto like roadie or like the oh the... yeah. He's the he's the hidden side character, like. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, me and Harper, me and Harper, we shot most of the stuff, and then uh, I spent like iPhone. <laughs> you know, I spent like I spent like probably like forty-eight hours like editing that in my room. There was yeah. way we shot way too much footage. Mostly <laughs> the edit. I think we went over the song thirteen times. Thirteen different going through the so Yeah. And to clarify, that's for the yeah. that's for the parts where we're not playing, the parts where we yeah. were Oh, the, yeah. That, uh, which, the, yeah, because yeah. even more time for the playing parts. But that, the story of recording that, you asked kind of where that came from. I mean, the thing is, the Daisy lyrics, so the verses, the part, you know, that you said quite literally talking about murder, I wrote not for Rigby. I had written them like some other time, kind of like what I was talking about before just like kind of nonsense literally about nothing and then i played it actually for Faye's mom who is our other number one fan <laughs> shout out mary love her and she like loved it so i decided i needed to actually no my mom played it for Faye's mom and she really <laughs> liked it so then we decided to incorporate that and then the other lyrics that are with it like chorus part actually were not the same song at all i just took those from somewhere else and so i think we just decided we thought about what to do for the music video for a long time and I think what we ended up doing just seemed like the most fun um but you know we tried to find somewhere where people weren't gonna be since we were like bringing fake blood and dragging Hannah around oh my god but and turns out turns out people actually do walk by Minnehaha Falls in the winter so when we were there Fake blood, you know. There were a few, you know, kids with sleds and their parents walking by at a few points, which probably didn't look great. I mean, we were all smiling, but yeah. <laughs> not actually yeah. dead, just pointing. We were happy murderers. <laughs> not a corpse, still alive. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. Hannah was a trooper for laying in the snow for so long without gloves. Just it was it was cold the day we yeah. recorded that. It was yeah. pretty no, cold, yeah. and Hannah yeah. just fully was, just laid uh, on the ground. Yeah, so, I had like the coldest day of the winter when like we shouldn't have even been outside. It was like no, it was so cold. <laughs> yeah, and that actually came from the reason we got that outfit is because Hannah and I the Halloween before that decided we were gonna. I mean, we didn't end up doing anything. Actually, both of us on Halloween ended up being in quarantine for COVID. <laughs> um, but we had both planned a Halloween costume together where Hannah was gonna be like a corpse bride and I was her wife who had killed her. I, I don't know, it was kind of a <laughs> really good Halloween idea. costume. But we, uh, Hannah already yeah. had the wedding dress with the blood on it. So we were like, let's go from there. We already have this, we never really got to use this, so. <laughs> yeah, and just like the entire like story of, of the video was literally made up on a whim. Like it, yeah, and kind of on that day, like we kind of just made up the shots yeah, as we went. Yeah, most of the story came in through the edit. Like yeah, <laughs> yeah. Since the lyrics were nonsense, we didn't really have much story to base it on. We kind of took from the Daisy part, but like there wasn't much of a backstory behind exactly what you hear in the lyrics. So 
that's that's the, the joy of, of video storytelling. You can be like, hey, we're gonna tell we're gonna tell about the, the wife murder more than the song yeah. actually can. <laughs> exactly. And um, like you said about second music video, that's something we had talked about like once in practice, but maybe now that's something we'll start working on. I don't know. You'll have to people have yeah. to stay tuned. In the brief time that Rigby was like fully active, actually fully abandoned playing shows. Um, since just kind of scrolling through like old Facebook event pages and mourning the loss of shows and everything, uh, a lot of the shows Rigby played weren't necessarily in like the house show scene, which is I know where a lot of the bands that I at least I talked to kind of came out of, and where just a lot of the local scenes kind of happened was happening there. And is a band that kind of did engage with that a little bit, but also was kind of doing your own thing and doing partnering with the garage a lot, which is just a little bit out of the cities. Um, what were your impressions of, I guess, any quote unquote scene that you might have f- felt like you were participating in or were perceiving? And um, especially like of your very unique place as a band who has kind of done their own thing and hasn't really pigeonholed them or allowed themselves to be pigeonholed as like, we're a basement punk band. Like that, I don't feel like that's happened with Rigby, whereas yeah, it has uh- happened with a lot of other bands. Not that that's a bad thing, though. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we've we've worked really part of a scene. I don't yeah. know. I don't think no. we've ever felt like that. Um, like, I mean, I, more than that, like, you're playing wanted... band, like playing shows with other bands, and like maybe playing with the same bands more than once, and kind of interacting with that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, we, I think we just set out to like make and write punk music. We weren't. We weren't like we we we've been. We go to shows where. We're just active in 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 music in the Twin Cities. I think like when we just made the band, we were just like, okay, let's make some punk rock music, and and we weren't really influenced by uh, anything else except for like our contemporaries, which were like Bruce Violet, Kent Forever, Babes in Toyland, um, yeah. which were were our, like really what inspired us. Um, and I think I think we all just kind of want to uh, to pull back to that um I, like at least i i really do like i i would love mm-hmm. to just like reopen like a big punk scene because i know there's a big indie scene in the twin cities and there's a big hard not a huge hardcore scene but there's a hardcore scene mm-hmm. <laughs> the hardcore scene yes definitely um and uh, but like i i think we all just fell in love like with the traditional like punk rock uh kind of thing and and if there was a scene um that would kind of be our scene um we we all just are punks in in the end mm-hmm. i don't know yeah i think that's a good point sorry hannah go ahead oh i'd say um especially towards like i guess the beginning we never said no to a show and i think that kind of <laughs> says a lot about us <laughs> but i mean we did we ended up playing with a lot of indie bands because i mean we didn't have music available no one really knew who we were. I mean, mm-hmm. no one probably does still. <laughs> anyway, uh. <laughs> but um, we kind of we did get stuck with like a lot of indie shows, and everyone was kind of like, "Who's this? Like, <laughs> what? Yeah. Oh, Why I, are they I, so I, loud?" Yeah. So I feel like Rigby is definitely that's not like when you think of Rigby, I definitely not think of a punk. I feel exactly. like that might never, like we were originally doing shows without any music released. <laughs> so I think once once yeah. shows are a thing again, maybe we can try and get our foot into some more punk shows. But that's probably a ways away. But yeah, I'd say that was of- part of our thing was we always said yes to any show, and it just kind of turned out the way it did. <laughs> I, one of my favorite kind of memories is I'm someone that really enjoys. We all would like go to shows just kind of on our own um, pre-COVID and during rugby before rugby. Um, but one thing is I really, really like talking to new people and talking to strangers. So especially if we all went to a show together, we would kind of do this thing where if we wanted to talk to a band, I would kind of walk up to them and be like, oh hey, and I'd start talking to them. And then the rest of rugby would come over and then we would all start talking to them. Because, you know, I think we have a mix of kind of introverted and extroverted energy. And I think oh, I'm mix. sometimes very like mix. in your face and just what, yeah, okay. I'm very extroverted. I like 
like to talk to people. The rest of the band maybe is a little bit more introverted. Um, but we would all then we would all talk to these people and end up just like making connections at shows or wherever we could. And I will say, I think there was a bit of time where we were kind of trying to get a few of those um, house shows, basement shows, because we had friends um, in bands that played them. But I think some of that was just like hard. Like bands had been playing with the same other bands and on the same bills and a lot of them being like indie or quieter bands for a while. So they kind of had these bills set up and it, I, for new bands, it's, it is sometimes a little bit harder to break into, especially if you don't exactly match the genre that our, other people are playing. So I think we were actually kind of right on the verge to start playing a few of those shows. We had some lined up. Um, um, but yeah, I think like Hannah said, like having music out so people can, you know, you can find the right bands to play with. It's super helpful because there were some bands that we really liked and were great friends with and wanted to play shows with, but we just realized like we don't draw the same audience and this probably wouldn't really be a great fit. So we had to kind of, you know, figure out what to do. I mean, I'm personally in favor of like more chaotic bills where like every band is a different genre, but I know <laughs> oh, yeah. most people aren't looking forward to that on like a Saturday night. They're like, I want to hear all these random things all the same time. Like, <laughs> you, you, you want to stick with one thing sometimes. So that's, I think that's fair. And hopefully, yeah, that'll begin to happen a bit as shows start to come back. Um, hopefully not too soon, but it, yeah. it, it's going to be too soon no matter what. So that's, Oh, absolutely. That's great. Cool. Love it. <laughs> so I know you guys have just put out your album. Hopefully you're able to like, as much as one can without letting it go to your head, like rest on your laurels a little bit, just be proud of yourselves and breathe. But um, what does the future hold for Rigby? What are you hoping to do? What are you even actively working on as you're able to practice and continue to work on stuff um, with, with like vaccines and just the availability to do that increasing? Um, what are you hoping to do and what are you working on? And I guess what should people stay tuned for maybe in the distant future, maybe sooner rather than later? Um, whatever you've got in the works. That music video. <laughs> Other than the music video that is definitely real, yeah. I would say first thing that's super exciting is Kian second vaccine is super soon and that'll mean that our full band will be fully vaccinated which is it's today it's today yeah. super yeah. soon we're so I'm, pumped i'm glad we got to, this like, done before you got the shot so you yes, didn't have gone. to bail yeah. <laughs> um so fully like really excited to like be able to be around each other without masks because it's kind of weird that like these are some of the people that i absolutely see the most but we just like i kind of haven't really truly seen them for a while so i think that's exciting mm -hmm. otherwise i mean we've started writing new songs so just writing yeah. and hopefully when things are actually safe playing shows again but i feel like for us generally we're feeling like there's still a good ways to go even if venues are opening i think yeah. some of that is especially like be a smaller bit shows safe. basement shows where yeah people are just sweating on each other and it's gross yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> i don't know does anyone else have anything specific in mind that we're planning on uh I, I think just keeping the cogs going um <laughs> we we just started doing t-shirts uh yeah. so we're we're getting those orders in and and we're gonna start printing more and more of those um we're gonna figure and, out how to not lose money on the shipping costs. <laughs> exactly. Oh my god. Drive delivering them by hand can also like just driving around if they're yeah, local orders can got help. Hit by a truck, yeah. uh, hit by the shipping prices when we had to ship one out yeah. of state and the oh. shipping was twenty dollars. And we were like Oh We we had to ship under the UK, so I feel that. Ooh. Oh god, yeah. So we're we're trying to figure that out a little bit, but for sure the shirt stuff is exciting. We've mm -hmm. been printing them for a while. Um and that's super fun. We got to learn how to do that. Shout out to um, Mike. Um, taught us how to print t-shirts. Had us come in. He was he used to be my cross-country coach, actually. And he would, at cross-country races, if you got like, um, like a personal record, you got to take you put your hand like in a box and you would pull out a t-shirt and it was one of the like misprints he had made because his shop prints shirts for like the Twin Cities Marathon and all these like all these races and stuff. So I reached out and he let us come into his like print shop and just like helped us print the screen and showed us how to do it and then ended up super generously letting us keep the uh, screen so then we could build our own like screen printing setup at our huh. practice space and now we get to we get to print them all ourselves which is awesome Sick, yeah 
and Kian Kian totally made that happen. Built the the press setup and whatever. Yeah, I, got <laughs> eventually. Well, it, it broke, but I made it out of plywood. It took me like right. I started making it like right before COVID, and then I kind of took a break for a while. Um, and then I, I finished building it like it was all just plywood by hand. I didn't have like any tools. I had I bought a handsaw. <laughs> I was just hacking on the handsaw for like hours on end. <laughs> and and uh-huh. I still I still need to work on it a little bit because it, it is still broken. So I need to it fix is. it. Um, but yeah, but the shirts yeah. I will say look good. No, no, yeah. Our shirts are like cute, but not a single one is the same. They all have their own little. Which is makes it even better. <laughs> you, shirt is unique. Sometimes exactly. it's not completely centered. <laughs> it's an NFT. They're all oh, different. Oh gosh! Exactly. Oh. <laughs> if it was actually an NFT, this interview would never come out. Just don't. <laughs> like, why don't we just set the rainforest on fire while we're at it? Like, come on, guys. <laughs> Yeah. Any plans for like physical releases for We're Dying? Maybe even like, has that something that's even been discussed? Because if not, um, I'm giving you a free idea because I think that'd be cool. <laughs> um, Hannah, you asked about doing CDs. I think we have some older audience that has asked for CDs, so that might be something that we'll start doing. Yeah, I at a young age learned how to like burn discs and make them all cute with like pictures. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um. Yeah, I was like, I got a few texts, and people were like, oh, where can I buy this? And I was like, uh, it's on Spotify. And they were like, do you have any CDs? And I'm like, a CD? <laughs> what? Who uses CDs? Yeah. Um, a lot of people, actually. <laughs> Apparently, I mean, yeah, we found out. We, oh, yeah. We could if people are interested. I think, yeah, I think the plan originally, like, we were like, oh, we'll wait until we're back in person, and CDs could be something we could, like, do at shows mm-hmm. and sometimes even give away. But now it seems like people are asking for them. Um, and so it's nice to know that people want to pay artists and that are, like, they're willing to do that. Right now, we've just gotten, like, a few random, like, notifications on Bandcamp. Because I think you can, like, choose how much you pay for an album. Yeah. So we've had people just, like, send us $25 for the album. And we're like, oh, great. We no. actually get to see some of this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. It's, it's really nice. But I think that is probably a smart route to go down. I've had people ask us about vinyl. But everyone I've talked to about that is like, it is not worth it. You are not going to be able to make high-quality vinyl and make money on it. So I mean, yeah. But also, like, come on. It's, it's vinyl. It'd be cool. Yeah. It'd be cool to do, like, a few. Cool. It's more that it would take, but like, eight months like, or something. Yeah, exactly. I don't yeah. know if it makes sense in the long term. Like... But... <laughs> Yeah, I, 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 like, I feel like it's not going to be profitable unless we, like, buy our own vinyl machine, which even then is definitely not going to be profitable either. Well, so there, there, I mean, as, a lot. if this is even, not, maybe not for this album, like, we, my band has done some research into that, and, like, it's it's difficult unless you already have, like, kind of a, a following or, like, a label, but there, there are a lot of places where, like, you only have to sell, like, less, like, around 40 or 50% of, like, the pressing of the run before you start making profit, which is it's still fifty percent. <laughs> yeah, I think the math you're, isn't you're as bad. Us on what we have said again, like we always forget that we're actually a band and that we can like, do things. <laughs> like we just opened a bank account and stopped keeping all of our money in a little box that we had to break <laughs> open because I lost the key. Um, <laughs> we we did have to hit it with a hammer. Um, so we're just like realizing that we can actually do things. Yeah. So that it might be it might be good to start looking into stuff like that. <laughs> that wraps up all of my official questions, I guess. But um, I always want to ask people about like what they've been listening to lately. Like what specifically, if there are any like local bands or DIY bands from like the state or mid the Midwest that you've recently come across or just kind of, you think are underappreciated. Um, now would be the time to share those. Just kind of shout out maybe friends band, anything like that. Uh, if you need to take a second to pull out your Spotify, now is the time to do so. Well, uh, Meek from Alien Book Club just released an album. Louis that they did. Up, and I've, like, I've been listening to that a lot. I really like that. Yeah. I- um, this is not local. I'll think of some local ones. But recently, I started listening to this band, Hands Off Gretel. I think they're from the UK. Good, like, strong, femme-led uh, punk band. And I think kind of like post-Babes in Toyland feel. So I've yeah. been really liking that. But I'm going to think of some other, some local <laughs> ones. 
Um, I've been really getting back into like mannequin pussy. I think they're from Detroit. <sighs> I can't. That sounds right, uh, but I can't remember something either. Something like that. No, or Cincinnati. I, it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> Not here. Um, and then local. Let's see. Uh, I've been listening to Vile, Nice, um, 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 Partition, Gully Boys. My brain's yeah, not I working. <laughs> That's just kind of overall. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Another local band that I've listened to a lot is Uranium Club. I kind of forgot about them because I well, I didn't discover they were local. I discovered them like I yeah. discovered most bands. But I was like, oh wait, they're from Minneapolis. That's sweet. They, they broke up though, and, like, which is super depressing. Yeah. I, I, that yeah. Oh, they broke up. I, I'm pretty sure they broke up with someone last year after like putting out a record in like 2019. Oh. Because they're yeah, yeah. they're super. That's underrated. similar because I was gonna say, yeah, a band that a local band I had been listening to. I really liked Mr. West, and I recently heard that maybe they stopped making music. Yeah. Is that true? I, we were debating that. I I, I think Maud, when we were in like a CMC meeting, someone talked like was reaching out to Caleb, who's the, like the guitarist yeah. vocalist. I have not seen anything yeah. official. Um, but that would suck because mm-hmm. they were cool. They they were talking about that doing like suck. an album like right before the pandemic and everything. So maybe they'll yeah. go out with a bang. Who knows? <laughs> um, I would say always. I don't know how this wasn't my first thought. I'm always listening to Bruce Violet. Um, that is like one of my most listened to playlists. I I made my own playlist of like all their songs because <laughs> there wasn't one. Um, and so I listened to that a lot. And Scrunchies has been doing some new stuff recently. Yeah. Same drummer for both of those bands. Love Danielle. She is so awesome. Um, yeah. So I I think those are those are my big two local ones right now. Yeah, they they're supposed to have a new album out, or like they've had one done for a while. I think. Mm-hmm. So manifesting that for this summer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, uh, just in general, I've been listening to a lot of LCD Sound System. Mm-hmm. Just been getting really into them lately. And then on the local old stuff side, or new stuff, like uh, pre pre hiatus. Okay, I I I really dig their their pre hiatus stuff, but I like um I like some of their newer songs. Like I really like Call the Police. Call the Police yeah. is a great great That's tune. A great song. Yeah. Um, and then locally, I've been going. Hmm. I don't think they have a record out, but I uh, I think they're recording. But I know some guys in a band called Mean Mugs. They're a hardcore band. We were we were going to play with them, I think, before COVID, and then something right, happened. Right before COVID, yeah. Um, just really really cool dudes. Uh, shout out to Eddie and Joey. Awesome guys. All right. Me- yeah. oh, mean another- Mugs, you said like Mean Mugs. Yeah, Mean okay, Mugs. Cool. Another band that we were supposed to play with. We had a show right before this that I had been listening to or I've been listening to recently careful gaze and they were playing Yo. they played at the uh, at the um pop punk sucks show they were one of the bands that played there and we were <laughs> supposed to play with them uh like right we had a show in March I think booked with them and so I've been listening to them since they haven't been able to play yeah no their new EP is phenomenal it's so good oh yeah yeah it's awesome um love those guys thank you again for chatting and congrats on the album release uh everyone check it out if you haven't thank you it was great to talk to you the ear coffee podcast is a companion to the blog of the same name if you like this episode please leave us a rate and review so we can stand out among the other music podcasts you can follow us at twitter facebook and instagram at ear coffee thank you for listening we'll see you next time